Welcome to the Jacks Rangers Show, a New England Free Jacks fan podcast. And now, Rangers, here's your host, Phil Harris. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers Show. What a win against number one seed Atlanta out of the Eastern Conference. What a way to finish the season strong. So happy for our boys. It was the last ride, and by God, we had a hell of a one at Veterans Memorial Stadium, Fort Quincy. Our first experience there. Can't say enough about the facilities, the stadium. So awesome. So glad we'll be back there next season in 2022. Hopefully that'll be a great season for the the Jacks, of course. We've got one more episode, I believe, after this one, guys, for the off-season portion of this. We'll have one prior to the draft. But this week, um, just wanted to get right into the episode here. Here we go, guys. The Jacks Rangers show, the second to the last for this season. Woo! Hit that theme music, baby. Rangers, welcome to the offseason. Got some speculation swirling. What is going to happen with the Free Jacks in the offseason here? What players are we going to bring in? What players are we retaining? All of that fun stuff starts now, essentially. Who are we going to draft? You know, the draft is right around the corner, the second MLR draft, which will now include the Toronto Arrows and I guess Canadian players, perhaps. We have a very special name or prospect, I guess is better the way to put that, that uh, is enter- has entered his name into the uh, the MLR draft. We'll talk about that into the next episode, but very excited for him. You know, after the game, uh, there's there's obviously some, some sadness now that the season is over. We've got to wait a long time to see MLR rugby again in 2022. But on this week's episode, we've got our departing head coach, Coach Ryan Martin, is sitting down with me to have a little chit-chat about the season, how it went, all kind of stuff. We even had some some fan some fan slash ranger questions that we asked him and also dave is back from vacation guys so that's very exciting we'll do a little breakdown of the atlanta game and then start talking about speculation right so it's the rumor mill who who do we want to come in who do we think will be retained that sort of thing it's it's all guesswork from here on out for the next several months i imagine but you know just really happy about the season overall fort union point was great only lost one game there just really excited about fort quincy there at uh, veterans memorial stadium and next year's season our eight home games there yeah, man. Um, what a great season it was. Uh, very happy for the Free Jacks and also for Jacks Rangers, uh, this little podcast here. And uh, happy for you guys, man. Uh, we This is it. This was our first full season of professional rugby that we could cheer on a team here in New England. So pretty awesome. Let's get right into the Outrider segment here with Dave, who was back from vacation. He was at the game. Saw him. He was kilted up. Oh, quick shout outs here. Anybody that was kilted up and wore face paint so if you wore a, f- a kilt, good on you. If you wore only face paint, good on you. If you put both of them together, super, super big mega shout out to you folks. Just, you know, so happy that we could 
live out our brave heart dreams, I guess, if you will, here at the Jacks Rangers show with the kilt and the face paint. So much fun. I'm sure we were on TV quite a bit. I hadn't seen the replay yet, but yeah, <laughs> so awesome. You guys are the real MVPs. And also to Chris Lind, who helped us out in the previous episode in the Outriders segment. I saw the Free Jacks organization was throwing a little shade at Chris for not pred- uh, predicting a win for the Free Jack in our little Instagram story, but hey, it is what it is. The man was true to his heart. You know, you can't blame him for that. So, all right, here we go into the Outriders segment with Phil and Dave. Dave is back once again from vacation. So let's have fun here, guys. It's the end of the season. Welcome to the off season. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. Guess who's back, baby? Big brain Diamond Dave is back from vacation. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Great to be back. We got back in town just in time for the match. And uh, boy, I was glad we did. Yeah, that was incredible. Um, for anybody that wasn't able to make it out to Veterans Memorial Stadium, Fort Quincy, what an amazing experience. It's it's so nice to actually play in a stadium, not a temporary um, field, essentially. Uh, yeah, I had pretty positive thoughts about Union Point. You know, um, I, I didn't have too many complaints. It was about what I had expected. But uh, the vet is an upgrade just in every regard. It's pretty fantastic. Everybody that I spoke with felt the same way. It's just, it's it's definitely an upgrade. That's the best way to describe it. Yep. All right. Free Jacks news here. The Free Jacks have announced that Wien Conradi has uh, signed with Gloucester RFC in England. He was fantastic at eight this year for us. Probably one of the best, if not the best, eight mans in the league. Um, best of luck to him. We will talk about him a little bit later on in the show, I'm sure. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News announced the attendance for our game was 2,850, which is a great first start for Fort Quincy. Um, I, I think that we'll just continue to expand on that. Um, it's a great location. It's a great stadium. Um, people are going to talk about it, and I expect you know at least 3,000-plus at the game going forward for our home games. Yeah, absolutely. That crowd's only going to grow there. It's such a good, accessible venue. You can get there by tea. There was tons of parking. Yep. Um, it was really good all around. Uh, already just the first time, better food, you know, options, more robust and spread out, kind of, that uh, made it a little bit easier to get something. Didn't do the thing. Oh, there's 140 people in line. I guess I'll come back later. <laughs> yeah. So those growing pains that we had with Union Point, Hopefully we'll look back on those in a couple of years very fondly and, you know, kind of chuckle and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Joe Johnson and uh, 2E Drakey uh, Samu Samu Vodre, hoping I got that right, were named to the MLR Geico 15. Congrats to both of the lads. Well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, big ups to them. Good, good look. They both had great matches um, and uh, definitely definitely made it on that list by their own merits i think agreed the players had an epic cookout today on top of a building in downtown boston as an end of season blowout looks like they had a lot of fun for the guys that were following on instagram it's just they they were dressed up uh, i think coach ryan martin was in full red Sox uniform which is pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see those guys having a good time you know they've they've earned some rest and relaxation but it's good that they get to um, you know, have that have that send off, and hopefully, a lot of these guys will be back next season. So, yeah. you know, this is for for many of them a good way to kind of affirm the that those team bonds before they Absolutely. head off to their homes. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, for rapid reaction this week, I was going to share the screen, but I don't have anything prepared, unfortunately, with the scores and whatnot. But uh, excuse me, what we'll do instead of that is um, talk about the playoffs. So is it this coming weekend? We've got Utah uh, against L.A. and New Jersey going down to Atlanta to play them. What's your predictions? Um, I think it's tough to call. Uh, it, I, the earful of dirt or Monday morning fly half uh, on the rugby network website had a good analysis where they break it down pretty clearly um, on, you know, attack and defense. Uh, it was hard to disagree with really good points. They raised were that uh, LA might've been the, you know, attacking dominant team of the first half of the season, but they are no longer really those Kings that uh, Utah has kind of moved into that role. So I want LA to win. I like LA. I'm an LA fan and I enjoy watching them play. Um, But I think that if you could almost call it an upset at this point, if they do Um, in the East, uh, the fans that, Union or at uh, the Veterans Memorial Stadium put it best when you know every individual Atlanta player got cheered off with beat New York uh, <laughs> by the crowd there, which was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you can't get any more Boston than that. That's beautiful, yeah. So great to see that. Um, I'm hoping Utah wins because I don't like LA, and I'm hoping um, Atlanta wins because I don't like New York. So that's what that's who I'm rooting for this weekend. It, yeah, it, I, I would imagine there are a lot of people in the same boat you're in. For sure. For sure. Around those areas specifically, yeah. Um, it, it just sucks that we didn't make the playoffs because I would have loved to be able to watch our, our Jacks in this weekend's games, but it just wasn't to be. So I'm pulling for the teams that uh, that I don't like. But, uh, you know, I, I don't hate – I hate the other teams. Well, no, no, no. Let's say this. I don't like the other uh, – the teams that I'm rooting against, and the other ones are just kind of meh. So Yeah. Just a preferred outcome exactly. of two, preferred of two less ideal situations. Yes. All right. Let's move. In. Speaking of ideal situations, uh, let's move into Atlanta at New England. So a turnover at the line that allows the Jacks to score on an early try with Conradi at the three-minute mark. I would love to see the win-loss record when we score within the first ten minutes. I have a feeling that uh, there's more wins than losses on that. It just feels good to score so early on in the game. Like you feel like okay. There, sometimes it's nervy, a start, you know, like maybe we're kicking it back and forth. You'll see it a lot, especially in like test rugby. And there's a lot of kicks involved. And you don't really know, you know, how the things are going to shake out for the first like 10 minutes. You don't know who's dominating. And, it, you know, it just seems like a stalemate. But that's not what, the way I felt in this game at all. And there's a lot of times this season where I felt like, you know, we, we feel like we're coming out with the, you know, a good effort to begin the first uh, part of the game there. And this was a good way uh, to, you know, to highlight that. That's exactly what happened in this one as well. Yeah, I agree. And it's really enjoyable to watch um, when they strike early and can just maintain a lead uh, like they did. Atlanta got back into it a couple times, you know, as we'll discuss. But that early strike really just lets you kind of relax and enjoy the game a little bit more. And it was a really uh, kind of a gift at um, the new stadium there to settle the crowd in and be like, you know, this, these are the free jacks, you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, Atlanta strikes back with their own eight-man Ross Deacon at 12 minutes in. You you can hear a crowd uh, chant, hold the line, which started during the awful conditions games against New Jersey. 
I hope that chant carries over to next year. It's a fun one to say. It also kind of has Revolutionary War um, callback to it because, you know, they, they were all in formations in line. So holding the line, don't retreat, don't, don't turn your back on the enemy. So, yeah, I hope that continues on. That was really cool. But yeah, uh, chanting was good all around. I felt yeah. like there, there were there was already the crowd energy is going up. Yes. Um, which is what you want to see. And there's a little bit more unity. It's easier to talk to everybody at the same time, get everybody on the same board. And the video scoreboard lets them do even more of that kind of stuff. Yes. So I fun. saw you with the Huzzah sign a couple times uh, running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm getting down there. We did the, we did the Huzzahs for the tries yes. this time. We, we got it. It was the Perfect. first match where we, I, I was able to get it going and, and kept up with it. So. Perfect. All right. Um, a steamrolling mall leads to a breakaway try for Diager at 23 minutes in. So feeling pretty good at that point. A penalty in the ruck by Atlanta sets up a successful penalty kick for Waka at 35 minutes in. A great try-saving tackle into touch by our boy Dougie Fife, the third, when Atlanta tried to swing it wide at 35 minutes in. The moment of the game for me came for uh, Joe Johnson intercepts a pass and offloads to our boy Dougie, who gallops down the pitch only to be tackled, but it sets up a laser cross-field kick by Waka to Samo Samovodre, who dots down the ball in the corner, so halftime score here, 22 to five with the Jacks leading. You have to feel pretty good with that scoreline. But then again, this is the team that is in first place at that point and still is in the Eastern Conference. So I kind of felt like, you know, that was a pretty good point differential. But I was, you know, wanting to see what happened in the second half. I didn't think we were, you know, just going to walk out of there with a win with Atlanta not coming back into it. Yeah, they didn't get where they were uh, by giving up on games, right? So it was it was as good a position you can be in um, to to have that kind of an advantage, yeah. and definitely created a lot of moment, uh, a lot of momentum to score in that moment yes. uh, right before the half. So I think that gets a lot of credit for what the boys were able to do in the second forty. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving into the second half here, line out turnover. Uh, leads to an Atlanta try at the 60th minute. I uh, keep saying his name. Samu Samovodre gets a yellow card at the 66th minute for a high tackle that wasn't really a high tackle, by the way. Uh, you could hear Captain Joe Johnston in the broadcast telling the referee, this is rugby, it's not soccer on the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was not thrilled uh, yeah. and with good reason. And, and Vian Conradi got a yellow card about like eight minutes before that as well. Yep. Um, in a weird situation where I'm pretty sure it was a cynical play yeah. yellow because he was off sides on the a big knock bounced off like a shoulder. It looked like, and he just caught it in an offsides position and the ref, I mean, was not having it. That's a penalty, but uh, he went straight to the yellow just said, you know, better basically. Yeah. Um, um, moving right along here. We've got Atlanta uses their man advantage and scored a try with 10 minutes to go. And all of a sudden, it's a close three-point game after the successful conversion kick. But here's what the good thing that happened. So towards the end of the game, Jacks are in control with one minute to go, and they're um, knocking on the door for another try. But a penalty allows Atlanta to knock out their uh, – to kick out of their own try zone for a line-out. 
So this is where things get interesting. So at this point, it's called uh, squeaky bum time. I think uh, Sir Alex Ferguson of Manchester United coined <laughs> that phrase, uh, a Scottish lad himself. So, you know, we're worried at this point because, oh, no, we've, you know, this is something that we see in MLR from time to time where a team will, you know, get back into the game and then win in the last second. So um, what happens, though, is the line out is a wild throw, but the substitute scrum half uh, for Atlanta, the replacement scrum half, I should say, is able to get the ball and take off with it, um, but in the process isolates himself from his teammates. So this is a, a coaching moment for them, I think. Joe Johnson makes a tackle which allows Billy to get in the ruck and force a penalty against Atlanta, which causes the Jacks to win the game because then we gain possession and then kick it out of bounds to end the game. What were your thoughts, yeah. Dave? Uh, it was quite a little sequence of play. Um, the J- Joe Johnson looked like he was favoring his right arm. If you look the way he chased that tackle, he's got a, the, his left is on the jersey and his right, he just doesn't use it all. It keeps it tucked and he pulls the ball carrier close to him and then swings his arm around to make the tackle. It's a really athletic feat. Um, it's worth it for anybody to go back and just watch the very end of the match and watch that passage of play again. Um, really cool stuff. Um, the guys just showed a lot of grit. They stayed in it. They fought uh, up until the last moment. They were creative. You see, you know, things like Vili's kick, um, oh, yeah. Joe's one-arm tackle, yeah. um, Sean Yacobian getting in and, and getting that last penalty. You could tell how proud the guys were, how happy they were that he was able to generate that. You look at the way the team celebrated and lifted him up in that moment. Um, it was really cool. I mean, it was it was a great way to end the season. Um, I thought that it was really um, representative as a team effort of what these guys have been doing all year. Um you, you couldn't have scripted a better way for it to end, I think. Really exciting, uh, a lot going on, and then they just stay in it, keep their cool, make the right choices, and they win the match. You know, Ryan Martin has described his team as, you know, uh, they'd never give up, and that's definitely what took place there. Um, they didn't have anything to really gain other than, you know, the fans' approval by winning that game. They could have easily just, you know, said, all right, well, you know, Atlanta's kind of turning the tide here, and this game doesn't really mean anything, and we could just kind of pack it in. They didn't. They, they showed a lot of grit, uh, a lot of New England grit there, and were able to win that game, even though Atlanta were kind of surging there at the end. Um, they had the possibility, at least, I guess you should say, of, of you know scoring a try and winning the game and just stealing it from us. Um, but, you know, our Free Jack said, no, that's not going to happen. Our new Fort, Fort Quincy, we just christened it, so that's not going to happen uh, on this game. So, uh, big upset. At least that's what people are saying on the national level for MLR. I don't really think it's really that much of an upset, in my opinion, because, again, our free jacks can beat anybody in any given game, I think. That's the way this team is just made up. Uh, we've had some you know, some games where we're just like, ah, we wish we could have that one back. But we've beaten a lot of good teams this year. So, and Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think you would probably find the closer um... – the closer somebody follows MLR and the more of the matches that they've seen, uh, the less they would look at it as a big upset. Mm-hmm. Um, just given how tight the Eastern Conference has been yep. and uh, who the Free Jacks have beaten, yep. um, that it's really not that surprising. Um, but if you just look at the standings and you see, oh, these guys are number one seed in the East going into the playoffs, they should be able to mop up these, you know, fourth place guys. Um, if if that's all you're approaching it with, it does look like a pretty big upset. And that just speaks to the parity um, in the East. And like, you know, people, including myself, have been commenting on the MLR 
uh, social media posts about the playoffs when they were talking about what they want for next year. You know, give us a play in match. Uh, imagine if we could, you know, play in for a spot in those playoffs. I mean, this is a team you back. Like, you know, some teams you don't. You're like, oh, I don't know about a play in match for us. But Free Jacks, yes. like you want to, you want them in there. They can, they can win those. They can gut it out. So I, I think um, that's the, on the dream list. Yeah. I think with the further expansion, which we'll get into a little bit later on, uh, that might be a possibility in the future, like a wild card game type thing. But let's talk about MVP. Uh, do you want to go first or shall I? Uh, MVP for this past week. I will go first. Um, I actually picked Tuadraki Samasama of Odre. Nice. Um, nice. I thought that he brought a ton of energy. Uh, he made some big hits really early that set a lot of the tone. Mm-hmm. Um it played into how our defense works. You know, we launched those guys up in the center channel to try to shut down the wide ball. We've talked about it a lot. Well, when the ball gets past those guys, you can be kind of in danger. And what we saw Tuadraki do a few times is just absolutely lay guys out, just really deliver a big hard thump. And that checks that wing a little bit. It's going to make them a little bit hesitant when they come up because, you know, they might, be on the receiving end of one of those hits yep. right as they make the catch um and and so it take it gets in their head a little bit and shows them that even the even the outside ball is not really going to be a good option um he had that kick pass um from waka for the try um just really lit it up and uh it's been exciting to see i think he's somebody who could figure in big time in the free jacks future yep. so it was really good for him to make that MLR, uh, you know, all 15. And uh, yeah, I thought he I thought he had a great match. Um, People have been watching him get progressively better, I think, the last few weeks. And then he was really on form this week. What a great midseason pickup he was for the Free Jacks. You know, he wasn't originally a part of the the first game roster or anything like that. I think he came in, I guess, midseason and has done a fantastic job. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a guy who can fill a lot of roles in the future too. A little bit like Bodine Walk has done, where we he's been seen him able to fly around the fly around the pitch and, and just kind of fill in the cracks in the roster. Some yep. um, some of Audrey can do the same thing. He's a playmaker. You know, he could come in and play ten. Um, and I th- I think we'll see him in that role. Uh, I love those guys. Guys who have a big skill set and can wear a lot of hats. You know, they find their ways onto rosters. They're a general manager's best friend, a guy who can play multiple positions, a utility type player, just like baseball. Um, let's see here. For me, uh, MVP, a lot of candidates as usual when we win the game, but I'm going to give this one to the try scoring big man, Conradi, uh, who just signed a contract with Premiership Side Gloucester. Keep in mind, Conradi went undrafted in the Dallas roster draft earlier this year. So yeah, Dallas was supposed to be a team that was joining MLR this season. They didn't. They decided not to do it. They're going to be coming in next season, but at the same time, they had this roster of signings. So those players went into a draft, and Conradi, amazingly enough, did not get selected by any team whatsoever. He signed as a free agent for the Free Jacks, and now he's going to be playing on arguably the highest level in club rugby leagues in the world, which is unbelievable. I mean, congrats to him. I mean, obviously, this is just for the MVP performance for him. This game, which I mean, he scored a try. He was all over the place. Um, but overall, what I mean, just an amazing story. For him. Yeah, um, what a trajectory. Uh, it's it's he didn't come out of nowhere. He's got Namibian caps. You know, he's been on the scene, but um, it, it's 
there's a lot of talent in rugby. It's really competitive to get on rosters. And, you know, a lot of the time it happens, it has as much to do with, you know, what have you done for me lately as it does what's your athletic capacity, you know, um, there's timing elements, teams have to need what you have in that moment. Um, So that's how you end up with these situations where he, you know, went undrafted at first, uh, well, not at first went undrafted and then was signed uh, as a free agent. Um, And you know, he, he, he's there, he's got what it takes to play at the highest level. And that's, it's really cool. It's special for him. You know, I think it feels good for the guys on the team to see that happen that who know that, you know, this is a, not just MLR, but the free Jacks are a legitimate place for launching those careers. Um, and, and, uh, keeping them going, keeping them alive. So it's very cool. Really happy for him. Um, he seems like a really nice guy. He's quiet from, yeah. from what everybody seems to say. Yeah. I love the quiet guys who are just like, yes, I just, you know, quietly destroy humans for fun. <laughs> um, it's, I like that energy, you know, so very happy for being. For sure. Yeah. I sent him a message on Instagram saying, you know, congratulations. Uh, thank you for everything you've done here with Free Jackson. He was, you know, just so humble, of course, as you would expect from rugby players, you know, thanking us, the fans. So very cool. Um, my musket size pants tent, Ross Deacon, the eight man for Atlanta would be a great pickup for the Free Jacks to replace Conradi if he's available. More on that in the GM portion of next uh, episode. So it's not going to be next week, guys. We're going to take a little bit of a hiatus here and, and pick back up in roughly a month from now to discuss the MLR draft. But we're also going to discuss you know, what is this roster going to look like? Pure speculation on our part. We Again, we're not insiders. We're not media, per se. We're just fans. So we're going to be discussing, you know, maybe who the Free Jacks would pick up, who they should retain, yada, yada. You get the idea. But he is a six foot two, 242-pound uh, versatile back rower and scored a try over the weekend against our Jacks. So Ross Deacon gets the musket-sized pants tent award. And that leads us into, because obviously there's no preview, unfortunately, frowning face for us this week. It's talking season, guys. Uh, it's it's not rugby season anymore for us here at the Jacks Ranger Show. It's talking season. So what better way to kick off talking season than to talk about the kit? Yeah. So obviously we've got a classic look for the home uh, jersey. And I don't see too many changes coming that way. Although I will ask you, as the primary kit sponsor, do you have anybody – like a New England company in mind that would just make so much sense to put on the front of the jersey going forward, just for fun. Hmm. Um, I hadn't really thought about it. I have one for you. Um. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So since we're playing at Fort Quincy, what better company than Dunkin' Donuts, which was the <laughs> first one is in, right down the road um in quincy massachusetts there so yeah i think it would be the perfect um kit sponsor going forward that would be good i i I figured i figured mine out i had i had to do some rapid googling to make sure i had the company right boston dynamics the creepy dogs the robots yes right very boston yeah terrifying right big terminator energy yes uh just intimidate the other teams boston dynamics that's love that and you got to get one of those robot dogs dancing on the sidelines yeah, that would be awesome. I could see like an amazing, amazing like kit reveal that's at Boston Dynamics and it's got all of the robots like doing stuff and it actually, you know, shows the jersey and stuff. That would be amazing. They just put out a video of them all dancing and it's terrifying. <laughs> so, you know, a video of them all 
playing rugby, showing off oh, how good the robots are getting, yes. passing a rugby ball around, you yes. know? That would be awesome. Million dollar idea. You, you can mail the check. Love that. Love that. All right. Um, in terms of an alternate kit, like I said, I don't think there's going to be much changes to the home kit. The away kit, I think, should be white. Um, you know, it's just classic away kits, right? And I think the one this year hits the nail on the head. I have no complaints with the away kit whatsoever. So if you want to continue those over with slight modifications, I have no issues with that. Now, alternate kit, this is what I'd like to see for the alternate kit that gets, you know, worn maybe once or twice for a home game. All right, picture this. No collar because we've talked about this in the past. So I have a problem with the collars just because I used to play those hot-ass, heavy cotton jerseys. Ugh, okay. But, so picture this. You know how Spider has the 69th Regiment, all of his buddies wear the shirt yes. that looks like a Continental um, Army soldier? Yeah. So the do miracles that. of sublimation printing. Yes. Just do that and put the Free Jacks logo right there. And that's it. That's the kit. Yeah. It's blue. It's red it, where it needs to be. It's, you know, it looks like they're wearing the uh, the regiment uh, uniform there. I think it would be awesome. The photos would be hilarious. Yes. The skin tight, you know, yeah. regimental. Yes. Oh, I love it. Can yeah. you imagine the front row in those? Oh, man. It'd be, it'd be incredible. It would be. We'll, we'll have Spider do the, the kit reveal in the video or something like that. You know? <laughs> Man, the cameras eat that guy up. Talk about oh, having yeah. a look that is made for TV. He's pure Boston. He, yeah. he has the the outfit and the tricorn hat. Yeah. Um, and man, they find him every match. I was just rewatching the broadcast earlier today. And uh, yeah, I love him. I'm so glad that he's part of the fan community. I, I've said many times, I might have said this on the show. He is the living embodiment of New England. Yeah, he's about he's about like eighteen months away from being an SNL skit at this point. It's that he's that close. It's that good. I've got the hat here. It's not exactly the one that he wears, but this is the one that Kenny has. I just think I look like a dick in it, to be honest with you. So I mean, <laughs> it's not for me, but I did decorate it with the um, the stickers here of the Jacks. I like it. It's yeah. good. It's a good way to like keep your seat while you get a new beer. You know. Yeah, exactly. You can use it for utilitarian purposes. Absolutely. Yeah, Carrying a hot bowl of fried food back yeah, well you got a handy you keep your hands you know it's, safe i'll tell you one thing it's not sweat wicking at all when you have it on it's just <laughs> so hot oh. um, love it yeah um my kit thoughts okay i really like the mostly white with the other hoops sort of like the cancer awareness jersey okay. so it's still hoops i love hoops i'm a classic guy i like the hoops i like the collars yep. Um, and I know our main jersey is hoops, so I don't think our our alternate or away jersey needs to also be yeah. almost the same hoops with like colors reversed or anything like that. But I love the look of wide white hoops with narrow blue and red hoops. Um, mm -hmm. It gives you a white dominant kit that is not going to clash with almost anybody in the league. You know, when it's all white, you can even wear it against a team like DC who has a really similar color scheme, you know, but you know, they're going to be dark blue. You can wear the white, you got a blue, you got a white, you're good. Um, so I really like those jerseys. I think it's a good look. Um, I hope that they hang around in some form, even if it's just, you know, special events or something. Um, at some point, maybe within the like next week or so, maybe even sooner than that, I'm going to um, create these kits for us. I'm going to take these logos and put them on the Jersey and we'll, we'll see what it looks like and we'll post it on social media. But uh, moving right along here, again, Talking Season is the name of this episode. So let's talk about expansion. 
So if your commissioner Killebrew, who we got a picture with uh, in this past week, who we did. was a lot taller than I thought he would be. He's a big guy. Yeah. Like, He's got to have an athletic background. I didn't look into it, but you meet a guy like that. You're like, mm, yeah. you played basketball yes. or, you know, um, you, you were, you were like a tight end or something, you know? I know he did indoor soccer as like, that's how he got his start. I don't think he was a player per se, but I know he was in like the staff of like an indoor soccer team or whatever. And that's how he got his uh, start in uh, sports uh, management, I guess is the best way to describe that. But yeah, but um, uh, so if you're the commissioner, if you're George Killebrew and you've got your commission hat on, where are you looking on a USA map or Canada, of course, our, our brothers up there? Um, where are you going to go? Where do you want to go? Yeah, I think Canada, the the answer is BC. It's, you know, British Columbia. Everybody wants a team out there. That's where they're actively trying to find the people to do it, I think. There's a lot of energy around it. Yep. Um, the problem is that the best place for a team is where there's an investor who has question mark number of million dollars that they want to put into the team, right? Um, so it's a little bit like the best job is the one you have, like the best, the best city for a team is the one that's got an investor base that wants to pay a lot of money to have a team. These teams are putting on really high levels of production and they're very competitive. It costs a lot of money and they're not all making that money back right now. It's, you know, it's a, it's a loss leader to, to turn it around down the road five or 10 years and it makes it tough. But with that in mind, what you need are good markets. You need places where people can say yeah that's a good place to invest and to me that's the part of the country i just drove all over which is middle america the ohio river valley okay right um so on this trip we went through or nearby philadelphia pittsburgh columbus cincinnati louisville st louis kansas city and chicago those are all big sports cities. Yep. Any one of those cities could probably support an MLR franchise. I don't know what they look for in terms of market size and, and yep. all that. I'm sure there's a, you know, NBA's worth of research that goes into each one of these teams. But some of those cities, if not most of those cities, are primed. And what they need is somebody to come in and invest. And those cities are all very competitive. You know, that's a region, you know, the, the Ohio River Valley, Ohio itself, is kind of the birthplace of American NFL football, right? Like mm -hmm. there's deep pride in field sports in those regions. And yeah. I really think that once um, things get moving, you know, maybe we see a West Central East um, yeah. and we can really, you know, get some Pennsylvania teams up in the East and get the Ohio, Indianapolis, Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, uh, Kansas City, rather, all those guys roped in. Um, where is it going to be? Who knows? Probably somewhere good for travel. Ohio is pretty nice because you're close to everybody. There's about five big cities in Ohio. Yep. So that's my guess. And everybody loved the Aviators. They're one of the most popular of the pro rugby teams. Yep. Um, people, they, they seem to me to still be the only team that has like an active fan base despite it not existing for several years right when stuff gets posted about the ohio aviators people get excited mm -hmm. so i think ohio okay um i will say that i agree with you about vancouver the bc area up in canada you've got an eastern ish team right in toronto you need a western team for canada at the very least uh, one more up there uh, and Vancouver is the uh, the most logical destination for that. Um, in terms of the Midwest, obviously there's a big hole with MLR right now. There's no Midwest teams. 
I think it has to be Chicago, right? Uh, it's the third largest city in the country, huge TV market, huge sports tradition. I mean, you've named some really nice sporting cities there, but I mean, if you if you had to put money on it, you would say Chicago has to be the next one, especially the, the first one in the Midwest. Other ones could come along eventually or whatever, but um, yeah, it just seemed to make the most sense for it to be Chicago. Yeah, and, and if, I, the- if I want to start a team and I'm looking for other people, I'm selling Chicago as my city, right? Like yeah. think yeah. of it like an investor and you're trying to get other people on board. Yeah. Chicago's a lock. Absolutely. I think we're going to see Chicago in the next three years. I, I sure mean, I just no no info. Just I don't think that is going to stay on the table that long. Right. As soon as this is a proven successful model, it's going to become a little bit of a land rush to get those franchises and to get in. I hope so. Yeah, that would be that's the ideal situation, because, you know, the if you what I suggest everybody do, if you have the time, go listen to Full Contact CEO with Mags. He had George Killebrew on a while back. And he talks about how important it is expansion for just the health of the league because they charge, you know, X number of millions of dollars for a franchise fee. And that goes, it's reinvested and stuff like that. It makes the league more financially healthy. So they're going to be looking to expand as much as possible. It, you know, they're not going to look for deadbeat owners or anything like that, uh, you know, with fake millions. So they're going to do their due diligence, but they want more expansion because that means more money in their pocket, which helps the league, yada, yada. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so Chicago, um, Vancouver, and uh, don't, don't forget, guys, Dallas is going to be in the league next year. So they, they were supposed to be in it this year, but you know that didn't work out. So they are going to be in this coming season in 2022. So I, I think you absolutely have to get Chicago. Chicago should be the number one. The fact that we don't have a Chicago team and this is a national league is wild to me. It, it has to be the first priority, I think. But now we've talked about the the nice part of uh, the uh, the rugby uh, here in terms of expansion, but there's also the possibility. Now, if you look at any type of history with the major sports leagues in the, in the United States, you will see retraction as well. Um, most recently, like MLS has had some retraction with the Florida teams down there. I know that one's back now, but um, you know this does happen. Atlanta, Atlanta with um, uh, hockey ceased to exist. I think they moved somewhere else. So this is just a part of leagues, you know, growth and success is, is retraction. So, you know, we're not wishing ill on any particular team, but David, if you had to predict like maybe a team moving or just folding, who do you think? Um, I, this is tough uh, because again, we don't really have inside information and um it's it's a little bit of a guessing game or just intuition maybe is a better way to put it so i figured two's company three's a crowd maybe a texas team yeah okay um three uh three teams in one state is a lot um texas is a is a big state and they love their sports down there and there's a lot of city pride in texas people care which city you're from Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but Dallas, Houston and Austin, um, is, seems like a lot. Um, I don't know. I like those teams. Uh, Houston seems really healthy. They have a great stadium. They've just confirmed a big investment in the next season already. They're looking on to bigger and brighter things. Mm -hmm. 
Um, none of the season teams really seem unstable. I'm only mentioning that because they had a poor season. So if that's all people know about them, right. a poor season is not really indicative of the the team and club culture they have down there and the fan base they have. Um, so don't count don't count Houston out just based on their record. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be really interesting to watch next year yes. with Dallas in the mix. Yes. Um, those Texas derbies are going to, I think they're going to become some slobber knockers. I think it's it's a smart move to you know put the bulls bullseye on the state of Texas and with the three, it might be too much. My thought might be is you know with the Gilchrist situation, he has two teams in one conference. Yeah. So will they? Be, I don't think there'll be necessarily too much pressure on him from the league because if it would have happened, it probably already would have. But I don't know. Maybe he just gets bored and is just like, I'm just wasting all this money. I'm just blowing money on these uh, rugby franchises. Maybe he moves or sells one mm-hmm. and they move uh, from Austin, perhaps. I mean, L.A., you don't see a lot of people in those crowds, man. I mean, obviously, it's a huge statement, right? So, yeah. you know, getting a 1,000 people in a, what, 80,000-seat stadium, it looks completely empty. So, I don't know, man. I, I would say – LA or well god it's such a huge sports market maybe they do a rebrand yeah. themselves i think LA maybe rugby is not quite cool enough yet there for the people LA is a weird city it is. um you know just culturally i have friends out there uh who have gone to a match now and i think that it's the sort of thing where they're going to be able to see slow and steady growth you know it's not going to explode there's a lot of competition in terms of stuff going on la you may have heard is a somewhat happening place um so it's tough you're competing with you know nightclubs that are full of movie stars and, and stuff like that in terms of activities um and the beach beaches are great and in la it's great 365 days a year so you know you got the like palisades parkway sunset to compete with it's tough but i think that they'll see growth they've had so much success there the connection with australia and it's got to be gilchrist's main squeeze i mean the the story i've heard is that um austin was was him doing a favor essentially it it wasn't that he wanted two teams in the league but they needed a buyer for austin and he was available to do it and 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 I think in that light, you might see that team sold yeah. before you see L.A. sold or moved. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, that would be wild if Austin is sold to a new owner that moves it to Chicago. Yeah, something like that is, yeah. is possible. Yeah. I don't know how that works with the expansion model, but maybe they, you know, these guys are all business people. Maybe they strike a deal, the owners and the commissioner, you know, something that benefits everybody. All right. So we'll move off speculation and talking season here and move to season awards. Mm. So we're going to be doing some MVP of the seasons, um, forward, backs, and our defensive MVP of the season. I will go first here, so since I believe you went first for the MVP of the game. Um, my forward of the season is the man that we've been talking about quite a bit in this episode, um, a great story. Uh, Conradi is my MVP of the season for the forwards, all right? And for the backs, I've got, of course, it's our boy Dougie Fife. When he signed on, I said, wait a minute now, this is a legit signing. This guy is an yeah. international at the 15s and the 7s. 
um, a great club player in, in Scotland. I, I just felt like at that moment, it was such a huge thing for the Free Jacks. It just seemed so legitimate to get a guy of his stature and reputation into this team. And he's been fantastic. Obviously, not as many tries at the end of the season as the, the beginning, but he just lit the league on fire those first like six weeks or so. Man, he's been fantastic for us. And Absolutely. I will mention uh, defensive. This one was kind of weird for me. I couldn't think of somebody that just stood out in my mind. So I'm going to give this to a guy who keeps his head down, always has a smile on his face, though, loves the fans. And when he gets into the game, so this is the substitute, it's a super sub. When he gets into the game, he makes a huge impact on defense and sometimes on offense. And we saw him kick the ball, and everybody got up <laughs> off their feet. It was like, yeah, because you don't see forwards kick that often. And it was really a great kick. Um, Billy wins my defensive MVP of the season. That's a great pick. Um, he always, when he comes in off the bench, he goes out there and he kills somebody. You can watch when you see him get subbed on, follow him with your eyes over the next, you know, few phases of loose play. Cause as soon as he gets a chance, he's going to fold somebody up and just absolutely crush them. Um, he, he gets out there. He knows, yeah, what fresh legs mean. What that means is your team's counting on you to get out there and do that. Yes, sir. Uh, and he does it. That's a, that's a great pick. Right. Um, so my picks uh, for forward, I had to pick Joe Johnston. Um, he's been just tremendous uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, does a lot of cleanup work around the set piece. Um, he obviously is a leader as well with his elevation to captain with Josh Larson going out. Um, so we know he's doing stuff behind the scenes, which is just another, you know, checking another box. Right. Um, and for backs, I had to pick Bodine Waka. He's been able to do so many things for the club this, this year um, has been really fun to watch. And it is another guy who both sides of the ball um, really gives it everything. And, for a defensive player of the year, I chose Puasa Wakanabao. He, in that launch position, it hasn't always been him out of the 13 channel, but he's been there a lot. Um, he's gotten a lot of minutes. He's been really durable, and he is always laying hits out there in that channel. He's like a shark, you know, in the in the uh, shallows out there. He, he is the apex predator, and players have to watch out. Um, he also has a nose for the ball that's really, really respectable where he will come in and he's racing in and you expect him to lay somebody out. And he has, instead of hitting them, simply reached out and taken the ball from their hands as he ran by and, and stolen the ball that way. Not an interception, but a rip right after the player catches it. Um, he's done that probably four or five times this season minimum. It's a really, really great skill to, I mean, it's just like an interception in that it turns defense into attack instantly and you are right. in a great position. So uh, Puas is my defensive player of the year. Perfect. So these are all well-deserved awards for these guys. Um, you know, hope to see all of the majority of these guys back. I know obviously Conradi won't be joining us next year, unfortunately, but, um, you know, probably the best, if not one of the best eight men in the league, we're losing him. So, but man, he really showed out, um, for my MVP here in the forward section. But, uh, yeah, that comes to the, it brings us to the end of this particular episode talking season here, which is episode 13. Uh, we will be back though, guys, for episode 14 with a kind of like a general manager type of discussion. We're going to put that hat on 
Uh, that's not what they call it anymore, but ultimately we're going to be talking about looking at the roster and seeing who comes in, who, you know, is probably going to go out and that sort of thing. Who do you want? Who do you want to retain? That type of thing. And also we'll be talking about the draft. Um, the draft will be that following week. So I'm looking to uh, release the episode for episode 14 on the 10th of August. So that very next week is when the MLR draft is. We'll be discussing that. We may have some content revolving around a potential MLR draft player. We'll have to we'll have to look into that a little bit. But uh, you might see some stuff from us on the Jacks Ranger Show regarding that in the future. But uh, Dave, any final thoughts before we jump off here? Um, yeah, just wanted to say to all the fans who signed the jersey for the Free Jacks um, before the New York game and during the game today, uh, or not today, but on uh, Sunday rather. Um, the game we were talking about today. Uh, thank you for signing it. I was able to give the jersey to the players in the locker room after the match. Um, I uh, thank them for all their sacrifice throughout the season. Uh, it was a it was a really good moment, and um, they have it. Josh Larson took it from me. We got a picture. Um, the mags was in there. Had the camera out. Um, you know, he's always savvy. So uh, it was. Um, a great opportunity, um, and I think they really appreciated it. Um, if you listen to the Ryan Martin interview, you hear him talk a little bit about you know that kind of support from the fan base. All those signatures is something that's actually kind of unique about MLR. So you know, our, our they bring a lot of humility and gratitude, and I think that we if, the more we can bring that back to them as fans, you know, we get a righteous cycle going, um, and it's good for everybody. So thank you for people who signed it, and um, it should be going up in their team facilities. Yeah, I mean, thanks for all the fans that came out and showed out and got loud for our Free Jacks the entire season long. Couldn't have done it without you, all the Rangers out there. We appreciate you so much listening in and, you know, um, being, you know, learning about the game. If this is, you know, your first time watching rugby, I hope you've uh, you know, been able to listen to this and gotten some help with it. Or if you're just a hardcore rugby person, you really wanted to hear some extra content regarding the Free Jacks. So if you've been listening the entire season, we appreciate you very much. And we'll definitely, um, you know, see you for next season. We've got one more episode at least coming up next month. And then uh, looking forward to 2022. Awesome. Huzzah. Let's ride. Let's ride. All right. Tell us how we did on the Outriders segment of the Jacks Rangers show with Dave being back from vacation. Send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. DM us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all over there, guys. Check us out. Might be doing some Twitch gaming streaming in the off season here. I've got Rugby Challenge 3 on my Xbox, the brand new one. Maybe we'll maybe we'll play a little bit of rugby, see how many viewers I can get from rugby streaming. Something tells me not a lot, but hey, it could be fun. could be fun. I also wanted to give a quick mention about the 1st Regiment. So this is the supporters group, the first one of its kind, that is being headed by Doc. He's the one that came up with the idea. I've been helping him out. As the podcast winds down, we're going to be focused more on that as the Jacks Rangers show, trying to help out as much as we can. I know there's some merchandise in the works for the 1st Regiment. Ultimately, we're, we want to have some in-person meetings in the off-season to kind of get everything organized and built up so that when next season rolls around, we have an official, well-organized machine that is a supporters group. So we'll probably meet up you know, prior to each game at a specific pub, hang out there for some laughs, some some beers, and then you know march over to the stadium. And we'll do some events outside of the Free Jacks as well. That's the, kind of like the goal to, to get some people mingling that enjoy 
enjoy the free jacks, but also, you know, maybe we'll go do karaoke or we call it down south putt-putt. I believe it's mini golf here is what you guys call it. You know, just do some outside activities, but also in the season, and we would love to go to an away game together as the first regiment. I think that would be absolutely cool. So, you know, we'll discuss that more as those events become available in the off season here. But right now I wanted to switch gears and focus on the special guest interview. So happy that he took the time to do this. For the first time ever, we have outgoing coach, head coach, Coach Ryan Martin, joining us for the Jacks Rangers show. Just a little interview here to talk about his experiences here in New England, any behind the scenes stories that we can discuss here. (laughs) So really going to enjoy the interview here with the great muscle man himself, Coach Ryan Martin, right here on the Jacks Rangers show. Woo! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I've got Dave McVeigh here as always, but we've got a very special guest with us here, head coach Ryan Martin, who's on his way down under. We wanted to stop by just for a second to say hello and then talk about the season. How are you, coach? Uh, uh, great. Thanks for having me on the show. I've uh, actually enjoyed the, the podcast you've been running here. I've watched a few of them, so it's uh, cool to be on. Awesome. Thank you very much for checking us out. And uh, we've got a beer here, so I'm going to crack this bad boy open. There you go. Whoa, it's busy. Australia. Very nice. Uh, very fitting for you. Yeah. All right. So, what are your overall thoughts on the season? Um, oh, it's a funny one for me. I was looking at the all of the standings today, um, and you look at our – if you just go on pure on win-loss, obviously we're 10 wins, six losses. But you look across at Utah and the Western Conference – who guaranteed a final off, you know, before the round robin and played. They're on exactly the same win-loss record. Um, we're the same as New York, 10-6. Uh, we've actually got one more win than NOLA. So it's, it's a bit of a funny one. Um, and I suppose it's highlighted the strength of the Eastern Conference um, versus the Western Conference. And like for, for us, looking at the playoffs, the four teams, there's four teams in the playoffs. We've been through them. Um so it's a it's a really funny one for us. I, I really feel as though we would do really well in the playoffs. And there's an interesting comment um, from one of the commentators on last night's match, and he said that he'd spoken to a lot of the coaches around the league, and they've all said New England's you know one of the toughest or uh, probably the best team to play. So it's it's a it's a bit of a, a weird one for us, really. Yeah, Chris Land on the previous show said that he feels like we're a team that could just beat anybody on even any given day, and I believe that. In my yeah. heart of hearts, um, it's just you know it didn't work out with, for, to make the playoffs, but we did a yeah. good job. It's, yeah, I don't think there's anything to hang our hat on for sure, uh, or hang our head um, for sure. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Um, I believe this was your first trip to the U.S. of A. What is your yeah. impression of the country? Um, it's probably probably wasn't what I thought. Um, we obviously the the media in New Zealand and Australia. Um, kind of paints America as um, pretty divided and there's, you know, all this COVID and not very organized. But I'll tell you what, over here, um, I was so amazed at how quickly you guys got the vaccines out. Um, It's almost transitioned back to people who can get their businesses going really well. Um, I found the people really friendly and and accommodating. They, um, like, everyone's really keen to help you and and learn so it's uh, it was it's almost kind of maybe the opposite of what i thought i was coming to um which is, which is pretty cool very nice that's great yep. it's very encouraging yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not so bad <laughs> yeah yeah 
Um, what unexpected challenges did you face during the season that you did not see coming? Uh, I, I think it's pretty simple. It's travel. Um, and that's not only uh, traveling for away trips. That's also travel for us specifically to like our training venues. Um, so from the Forge, which is where we do, you know, our team meetings, our, our team base, essentially our, our gym, we would then be in vans and cars, you know, 40 minutes down the road to Weymouth to train there. Then it's 40 to 50 on the way back, depending on the traffic, sometimes an hour. Um, and that's day in, day out. So that was maybe something like I hadn't factored into my thinking and especially around just the time of the, the dead time the players had in the vans. Um, so we ended up kind of sourcing fields around the Boston local area, which weren't specifically rugby fields. So we'd get like a, a grass baseball field and, and train there just to get rid of the travel. Um, so that was probably one of the challenges. And then obviously the, the travel inside the comp is phenomenal. Like in New Zealand, the professional competition I coached there, if, if we traveled for more than two hours, everyone would be moaning. So if we go from Dunedin, which is the bottom of South Island to Auckland, the top of the North Island. Everyone would be moaning. Oh, it's a big trip today, boys. We've got two hours on the plane. Make sure we're hydrated. And <laughs> over here, you know, with wherever you go, something like the, the LA trips is six, seven, eight hours <laughs> traveling. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. me from being in, you know, from North Carolina, like you can get on a plane and go to Charlotte, but you're not even in, that's not Georgia. That's not, you know, yeah. South Carolina. That's not Florida. I mean, you know, this is a vast, vast country, man. People yes, yeah. that have never been here don't understand. I was on a road trip with my family right up until this last game. We got in Saturday night down in Connecticut, coming back, and I we drove three days solid out west to visit uh, my folks and got halfway to the west coast. You know, three day three days of driving, stopping about ten or eleven o'clock at a hotel. You know, had two little kids, so we had some stops along the way. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a huge distances that it's yeah. it's amazing easy to overlook. Yeah. Tell us what excites you about the Melbourne Rebels. Uh, what was this, uh, you know, why did you think this was a job that you couldn't pass up? Uh, well, firstly, Super Rugby. Uh, the competition for me is the elite uh, rugby competition in the world. You know, some people argue the premiership, but I think Super Rugby is on the precipice of of what, you know, the new things and the, what's happening in the game at the time. And the, the, the second big factor for me is the athletes that you're working with. So, you know, when I head back there, there's, you know, Matt Tamora, Reese Hodge. Um, they're, they're just amazing athletes who are playing for at the highest level of the game. Um, and it challenges you as a coach because you can never really deliver uh, a bad session because you get caught out very quickly. So you always got to be uh, really switched on and, and have a real clear understanding of what you're doing and where you're trying to, you know, make the best of the best get better, which is um, – that, that's what excites me. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose to sum it up, the playing in Super Rugby is for me the something I always dreamed of, of being a, a, you know a coach at that level of the game. Um, it's highly competitive. You know, you're one percent off and you lose by 20, 30 points, um, and you're up against really good coaching crews. So just a an awesome way to sharpen your skills. Um, and then for me, uh, you know, for me, it's, you're then one one step away from international football coaching. Um, so it's, it's, it's a run up the ladder closer to where I'd like to get to eventually. Okay. Very nice. That's really cool. Are you, um, I would rate you as a very good attack coach. So it's no real surprise. The appointment, are you excited to focus on one area? Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's quite interesting because being a head coach, maybe what people don't realize is there's a lot of off field stuff that you're going to be really over in terms of nailing throughout the week. So, you know, there's budget controls and uh, player management, you know, 
we've got a squad of 36 players. So there's only 23 who get named. Um, so making sure that everyone's kind of still focused throughout the week and preparing the team as best as possible. Um, you've got a lot of logistics involved with your travel and training. And Whereas if you're an assistant coach, which I'll be at the Rebels, I'm purely just nailing my attack role um, and obviously looking after the backs and the kicking as well. So it's... Um, the head coach is almost like a little mini CEO in terms of some of the other things that you've got to make sure you're doing really well. And, um, you know, for example, in the weekend, that, that's a big, uh, big first game for us at Quincy. And there's lots of little things that you're going to make sure to, to make it a great event, not only for the team, but for the people involved. Gotcha. Uh, what is your overall impression of MLR? Um, I like it. I, I really do. I what I'm heartened and maybe I, I think the big thing for me, especially our team is the Harrison Boyles, the Aliki Morris, the Joe Johnstons, the Vian Conradis. Um, there's young uh, international players coming here and using it as a launching pad. And that's how the competition should sell itself. You don't, for me, uh, and this is just my personal philosophy, but you don't want uh, like, you know, older athletes coming over here at the end of their career, clipping a ticket, um, and seen it as a way as kind of pasteurizing before they head off to the glue factory as such. Um, you want young fellas coming in and um, seeing this competition as a launching pad. And I reckon that's, that's where this competition has the, you look at some of the other teams and in, in the recruitment, like Atlanta got, you know, really awesome young South African players who, who, were, who are on the precipice of doing really well in South Africa, chose this as a comp to come and play. Like a Leaky Morris, for example, uh, if he's in New Zealand, he'd be on the tools. He's a builder by trade. So from January to June, he's building. He's on the tools, literally. And then he plays Mitre Cup, so our, our national provincial competition, for three, four months, and he's back on the tools. Whereas this opportunity gave him the ability to be a professional rugby player year in, year out. Um, so I think that that's what is really awesome about this competition. I think that's where it's going to get stronger. Is, um, because then what you've got to look at is those players come in and they're working day in, day out with your domestic players. So your domestic players are learning around, you know, what does it look like to be a professional? And that's how your domestic players get better by interacting with um, your internationals. Like you look at Quinton Newcomer, for example, he's been mentored by Seth Fagasi uh, and Peter Janssen and Eric Diaga. Quinton's gone through the roof. Who would have thought that, um, you know, you've got to look at yesterday. He came on with 25 minutes to go. He's marking up against a legend Fijian prop, international prop. Quinton didn't go backwards at all. Like he actually had the better of him. And that's because Quint's worked with our boys. Um, and Jackson Thebes, another great example, you know, working with our back row players, our international boys, and his game just skyrocketed for it for the betterment of as well. So for me, that's where this competition, it, its strength lies, and it needs to continue with that kind of ethos. Very nice. So a fan submitted this. I believe this was super fan doc. Uh, the question for you is. What will you miss most um, when you leave Boston? Um, I've really enjoyed the, I find it's a really easy city to, to get around. And there's always, you know, you can travel 20, 30 minutes and be an amazing forest or go in another direction, be at a beach, go another direction, be an amazing lake. And it's just, I've just found it such a welcoming, easy place to uh, get around. It's, I've been in Melbourne before. It's not as hustle bustle as Melbourne. So and I've just met a lot of really good people. It's, it's been incredible. Like the, the local rugby community is so passionate. And um, it was it was like um, yesterday when uh, we, we were given the jersey, Dave. Like that, and I know a lot of people, like even um, Dougie Fife had commented on he'd never had 
that level of fan engagement with so passionate in the words that you spoke to the team. He said it really stuck with him. Here's Dougie Fife, who's you know, an international player, 10 years plus. He's seen it all, done it all. And he's kind of bewildered by it and, and amazed by the the, the um, gesture yesterday of, of receiving the jersey from the fans and, and the words that were spoken. So that's probably what I'm going to miss. I don't think I've ever had fan engagement the way it is and um, the ability to interact as well. You know, like in New Zealand and Australia, there's, a, there's like a buffer and you have to be very careful. Like you've got to just put out a lot of cliches and keep it. Whereas over here, I've enjoyed being able to just say what you think. Yeah, very nice. Um, before I get into the next, my final question here, and then we'll let Dave take over. Really love the hat, Coach. Looks fantastic. Uh, the Red Sox doing really well this year. Yeah. But what is your fondest memory of the Three Jacks? What do you think you'll carry with you forever? Um, it's, it's actually, I got asked this by one of the commentators last week, my name is Dan Power, and it, it was actually when we played uh, Austin, the Gilgronies, at uh, Weymouth. It was like a murky kind of wet day. It was dark, and we were down 11-0. Um, we had a line on halfway. There's a couple of minutes to play, and we, we ran one of our specials, which John Pollan went through the middle of the field and passed off to Harry Barlow and scored. And the way the crowd reacted, we actually went into the tent. We're down 11-7. Austin were all over us. We went into the tent, and there was just such a, an energy. Um, and I said, we just all looked at each other. We said, oh, yeah, we're going to win this. Crowd's going to take us home now, boys, in the second half. And, uh, yeah, it probably goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I just have never experienced that type of um, energy from crowds. It's like in New Zealand, they're very mute. So that's that kind of stuck with me. Um, and, you know, I think that's why – you look at our home record. Obviously, we had the the one blip against Nola, and um, other than that, like we've just lived off the crowd engagement and the support. And even that terrible day, you know, with New York and the the delaying the game start, um, people hung around. Like I, I didn't think anyone would stay around because it's an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're drenched. And it was like, wow, people stay here, boys. Let's we're going to go out there and rock and roll. Yeah, it's galvanizing too. I think that looking yeah. back on this season, fans will point to that match as, yeah. you know, really iconic. Uh, you know, it'll be a were you there kind of thing. Yeah, it was, it was cool for us because um, so the tents were so close together at Weymouth. And we, like for our, our boys, we're having a little party. So about, we're waiting for an hour, over an hour before we got permission to go on the field. There was music on, they were like chahooing, like, they're dancing. Whereas over, I looked over in the New York team. They're very somber. They had their heads down. And I said, right, this is this is beautiful. And then when I went in there and said, boys, we're being give, given permission. Honestly, the boys erupted into like like singing and laughing. And then New York just come out like they're walking out like this. I, I knew we had that game uh, before we even started, to be honest. Yeah, that was a big one. It looked like New York did not want to be there, especially towards no. the end of the game. <laughs> didn't want a bar of it. <laughs> All right, those were the easy questions. Uh, Dave, it's your turn. <laughs> awesome. I am a little bit more wordy, so I'll try to I'll try to talk quickly. Um, you had a lot of gifted players to work with this season. Uh, it looked like it was a lot of fun. Were there any particularly fun skill sets or abilities that you had to work with uh, that let you be a little bit more creative as a coach? Um, like, for example, Bodine's boot is just a laser right yeah. so those cross field kicks were a thing that you could i would assume you know play and put that in the game plan as we we're looking for that and taking that opportunity yeah so it's quite interesting i think we've scored eight to ten tries through kick strikes which is quite rare in the game and people get a little bit mesmerized by it because it's it's a rare thing but we actually 
as you mentioned, like that's that's Wax's skill set. So um, and Harrison Boyle, you got to remember those amazing um, uh, grubbers he put through for Dougie Five two in one game, but exactly the same outcome scoring under the post. Um, and uh, you know that's that's those skill sets are just so cool in the game because it makes rugby three dimensional. Because as you know at the moment, the line speed. Um, and the zero rucking policies by defences mean there's not a lot of space horizontally. So if you can manipulate as much vertically, then it, then you start to hurt teams. And but that try yesterday, um, obviously we made a massive line break. We bent them. It would have been easy to go into your shell. You know, that was a tight game. Um, but my our thing and, and what we've built our skill sets around is to pull the trigger. So if you see or hear that something's on, just do it. Don't even think. And um, we've lived and died by the sword doing that. And, to be honest, 80% of the time we've, we've benefited from that attitude. So that's probably the coolest thing to work with guys that are put, willing to pull the trigger. That's great. I love that. Um, you started out famously as a math teacher, I believe. Yeah. Uh, do you have a particular philosophy on statistics and analysis um, in forming a, like a game plan or a favorite statistic, something you just really enjoy looking at and going over with the guys? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I use a lot of stats. Um, and in our team meetings, a, a lot of our learnings in terms of the review of the game are, are based around stats. So we have um, certain statistics that we value higher than others. So, for example, I'll give you an example. One of the ones we do is what we call a skirmish, um, which is based around our theme this year, which was around the Minute Minute. Um, so what we said is we need to win 60% of our skirmishes in a game. Now, a skirmish is any time a free jacks player comes into the into contact with the opposition, whether that's a tackle, a ball carry, a breakdown, an assist tackle, any time that you meet make contact with the opposition, we measure whether we believe you won that or not. And um, over it took a, it was about over five five years and a variety of competitions uh, from professional to amateur. Um, we worked out that the winningest kind of skirmish behaviour is over if you can win sixty percent or more. But if you can win 80% or more, you definitely win games. That is like a, a given. Um, so that's probably like a big one we use uh, in and around because it's an easy, that's what a, a behavior. So it's something that the players can clearly know. Um, okay, like well, I can go out half time and go to boys. You know, we're, we're working under 40% at skirmishes. Come on, we're getting owned in all our contexts. So it's just an easy one to kind of trigger the boys into knowing. And then they get, so every individual player gets a skirmish percentage after the game. So um, they all know where they sit and it makes them accountable in front of each other. And then the whole team gets a, a whole skirmish stat as well. So for example, if if you're working at 20% skirmish and Vian Conradi is working at 93, you, he looks over at you and, hey, brother, come on. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that's really useful. That's I think that's a great framework to look at it and something that I think coaches at any level can do. Um, yeah at least as a, as a method of, of approaching it and encouraging yeah. their players to better behaviors. That's right. Um, are there any other uh, attitudes and efforts that you've talked about that you hope stick around beyond you? I know it's very difficult uh, and you've done an admirable job coming in and creating a really positive team culture. So is there like a legacy that you hope you leave here on the team as your mark? Yeah. The, the big for me, um, as I always say to our players week in, week out, like, rugby at this level as soon as you're playing professionally everyone carries hard everyone tackles hard everyone can hit breakdowns like that that's a given um the point of difference for me is learning um so like for our team for example on a monday we will have uh four or five brand new plays that are three to five sequences built in so they're going to learn 
20 sequences in, within a play, then they might have five to six new brand new lineouts to learn. And then the backs might have two or three brand new template strikes, variations of the ones that we're using. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of learning. And I said to them, that is going to be our point of difference is how quickly we learn the content. Because what I've found over here, um, probably the difference from obviously coaching in New Zealand and Australia is um, teams don't change a lot throughout the week. Whereas if you watch closely at the way we play, we change weekly. Um, so what you've seen one week is drastically different the next week um, in terms of how we strike off a line out is very, very different. Um, so the biggest thing I tried to instill was just the learning mentality. Like don't be a knucklehead. Don't, don't get tunnel vision on, on the physical aspect of the game. Cause that's a given <laughs> that comes every week. <laughs> and Peter Janssen's famous. He always says to the boys, boys make peace with what's coming this week. Cause it's not going to be, <laughs> you know, it's not gonna be fun. um, but it's the learning, and I hope that carries on. Like we really put a huge emphasis on on learning, and that's from my, um, you know, as a teacher for 17 years, um, we, we need, our point of difference was to outthink, outsmart, and you know, I'm pretty proud to say we did that to most opposition. Absolutely, it's been a real pleasure to watch too. Uh, the creativity um, has been made for a, a fantastic rugby product, as the heads like to say. Yeah. Um, uh, two more questions. First is Jackson Thebes credited you um, in his player interview with helping him achieve one of his goals, which is lowering his contact height, um, which is, as he mentioned, a big problem for a lot of American rugby players. Forwards just want to run high and, and blow through guys, and uh, it gets you lit up and it loses the ball a lot, right? Yeah. Um, can you walk us just in quickly through how you guys accomplish that? Like, what's your technique for helping him do that you can be like specific if that makes it easier to answer the question i don't know yeah i think um you hear a lot of like coaches say body height body height body height but what you know what does that look like what does it feel like um that's and that's where i go into the coaching realm so i'll get clips and i say radio jacker because he might think his body height was good so mm -hmm. i'll I, I really rode him quite hard so he'd get an, an individual whatsapp clip from me saying jacko no good jacko no good jacko what's this rubbish come and see me in the morning um, and it, like it's as a coach, you, you've got to demand excellence because if you don't, um, God just will remain with, with a habit. So you've got to really drive them and, and demand excellence from them. And what I always say is, the, um, nothing is ever a personal attack. Like you've got to ride these guys <laughs> to, to change behaviors. And then what I would do is um, give them some actual, like uh, like a feeling or, or or a visual of how to get lower. So the first thing I said to Jack was head to hip. So whenever you're carrying. Your head must be at the hip of the tackler's height. Real easy for him straight away. Second thing, as I said, bones on bone. So whenever you carry, um, the, the first part of your tackle was like your elbow, your hip, and your knees. Where people get caught is what I call the soft side of the body that's open to the second tackler. So what we talk about is the washing machine. What does a washing machine do? It's very aggressive. So Jacko went bone, bone, bone on the first contact, which did. Then he brings the ball into the middle of his body. Now he's going to go, and he goes one, two with his elbows to open his seam. So if you watch him carry now, he drops his head to the hip, and you'll see him go one, two with his elbows, and he punches through a little seam. Then the last part, what I always talk about, is score the try so that the ball is under his body. So we call it a flanker's window. So the opposition do not have a window. They can't see the ball. They can't see the ball. They can't attack it. And that's how we, that's that with Jacko, we just did reps and reps of it. I'd walk around the office and like just dive at his legs and he'd know what I'm talking about. You make it, you make it fun as well. Um, but yeah, you've got to use video. You've got to use like, what does it feel like? What does it look like? 
um, and then just rep the hell out of it in the week. Um, and, and that's how you break habits and, and create really good new habits. Awesome. Great answer. Thank you so much. I have uh, one more question. It's a fun one, which is uh, what's your favorite hat you've picked? This is from my wife, by the way. This is her idea. What's your favorite hat you've picked up while you were here? Uh, Great question. This is probably not going to be a very popular answer, but um, I actually, my favorite hat at the moment, I got a, a Detroit Tigers one and I really like the D how it sits mm -hmm. like the old English because um, I've got an old English tattoo on, on my daughter's name on my leg. Um, so I kind of like the lettering and the D I just think it floats really cool in the hat. Um, it's nothing to do with the Tigers. I just like the look of it. <laughs> That's a really fair rival. answer. I like it. Yeah. They're not really rival. You're pretty safe with that. Right? Yeah. I've, tigers <laughs> yeah. are good. Yeah. 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 All right. Final thing here. And we'll get you out of here, coach. Um, one word association. We've done with, with this with every single guest that we've had on. So I'm going to say, one word or you know, two or three words. Let me know the first thing that pops in your mind. One word. Mags. Eccentric. <laughs> That's true. All right. Uh, free Jacks. Tough. Nice. Melbourne Rebels. Exciting. Okay. Dallin. We stumped him. Um, Mohawk. <laughs> All right. Uh, Major League Rugby. Startup. Okay. Boston. Strong. Nice. All right. This has been a real pleasure, man. We're going to miss you for sure. No, no uh, problem. Thank you so much for doing this. This was great. Best of luck. Yeah, yeah no, good luck. Yeah, and thanks. I think you've created a lot of Melbourne Rebels fans in Boston too. So yeah, uh, it'll carry over for sure. Yeah, no, that's the plan. Like you know, rugby's cool. You, you should always have two teams on both, both hemispheres to support. So absolutely, thanks, coach. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank thanks you. very much. We'll see you Bye. later. Cheers. Sure. All right, guys. Once again, thank you very much to Coach Ryan Martin for taking the time um, to be interviewed by the Jacks Ranger Show. Just our little, I'm just a humble uh, podcaster here, guys. And so when he agreed to it, I was over the moon um, that we were able to get the head coach or departing head coach, I guess I should say, at the Free Jacks to join us before he heads down under to the Melbourne Reven Rebels. That was probably a really awful Australian accent. <laughs> Other than that, guys, um, so so very grateful for Coach Ryan Martin to take the time. Like I said, um, great interview. Really happy that he was able to join us here. And I also wanted to mention a very special thank you to Dallin and Big Joe Shepard for having me on to the Free Jacks Live Midnight Ride edition. So this was last week when they had their live show on, on Wednesday. I was able to join in. If you noticed, I was uh, kept looking back and forth at my chair my cat trying to kept trying to jump into my lap so that was pretty comical <laughs> but yeah really appreciate them having me on big joe shepherd can't say enough about him he does a great job and uh, well wishes to him on getting uh, better with his recovery from his triple bypass surgery there in ireland but that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Off season has officially started. Send us your questions, comment, opinions over to jacksrangershow at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. Let us know who you want to have on the team. Who is your dream signing? Who who do you want to sign on with the Free Jacks? Um, not a dream signing. Obviously, we're not going to get Dan Carter, who's in retirement now at this point, and to be you know a million dollar signing, which is probably above the salary cap. But who is a 
who's somebody that you think, yes, we can get this person. Yes, they would be perfect on this squad. Let us know and we will include your response in the next episode. So yeah, welcome to the offseason, guys. A very long offseason. Geez, we're going into it with a winning record from the previous full season here in 2021. Head held tie. You know, we would have loved to get into the playoffs. It just wasn't to be. But I'll see you on the next episode when we talk about the MLR draft. Huzzah!